0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30am Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person you can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Good morning and uh, God's blessing on you all. Last Sunday, April spoke to us very, very openly and, and seriously about the top topic Where are you, God? Where are you when I'm hurting? And uh, it, it touched a nerve. And so I'm going to, I entitled my uh, message this morning, Where Are You, God? Part 2. And I'm going to answer in a small way where God is when we need him. And he is there. He's there. Uh, okay, um, where are you, God? We, we read the scripture, and the psalmist says the same thing, the scripture that Tanya just read. It's wonderful. It cries out in the night, where are you, God? Where are you? When are you going to answer me? Uh, part of the answer to where God is, is found in Proverbs 25, verse 11. From the English Standard Version, it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly spoken. God is often in a word that is spoken to you. I'm going to tell, I'm, I'm going to tell stories this morning. I hope you like stories. I like telling them. Uh, uh, we re- recently returned from a wonderful, interesting season at Sunny Breeze, Florida. Weather-wise, it was probably the best season I can remember. It was almost perfect. Uh, spiritually. It was uplifting and wonderful. I'm part of what they call a spiritual life committee. Now, that all sounds all holy, but it's not. It's just a, a group of people who who uh, get the speakers and, and plan the services and that type of thing. But we're a group that loves each other, and we have fun together, and we do, I think, good work. Um, the February pastor is the fellow who is the uh, uh, the, uh, the chair of the spiritual life committee, his name is Reuben Chupp. Now uh, Reuben grew up in a fairly conservative Mennonite home in Indiana, and uh, went on to be a uh, live a ungodly life for a while, and came back to the Lord and became a pastor. And he has he has learned so very very much, and he ta- teaches us so very much. Anyway, he had a sermons for February, all lined up. But God spoke to him, and he, and he changed. In the middle of it, he said, I'm not supposed to speak what I had to think. He said, what I sense is that uh, God wants to talk to me about shame. The shame that I was living with, and the shame that many people live with, and how to, how to deal with some of that shame. Uh, it touched a nerve in me. Oh, he said his mother used to always say to him, net? are you not ashamed? You know, and that's the way uh, they were disciplined. And then I had to think, you know what? That's my story in a lot of ways. Our parents disciplined us that way. We are always uh, uh, had to be a little careful, because what are the neighbors going to think? But more importantly, what are the church people going to think? And so uh, it, was, it was shame that, that uh, motivated our behavior in a lot of ways. Always considering what, what others are going to say. But now hear me say this, if you hear nothing else. Well-placed shame can prompt us to positive change. If shame is needed, if there is a reason for it, then it can lead to positive change. That's not the subject this morning, although keep that in mind, that that can happen. What I'm talking about is unplaced shame that he was talking about. And if you don't believe it, read Jonah chapter 2. When Jonah was in the belly of that fish, he he started to reason. It's a wonderful chapter. He says there he had time to think about and to consider Uh, The shame that he had and then he uh, was able to deal with it and deal with God and confess it I guess he smelt like seaweed and that didn't smell good And so so he had well placed shame there and it served him well to take a good hard look at himself Um, Sometimes however shame can have a much more negative effect Uh, I remember all too well using the same method on my children More concerned about what other people were going to think maybe than for what was in their best interest. And this all comes home to roost when I see them disciplining their children in the same way. Yeah. Well, back to Reuben's sermon. I believe he really hit a nerve when he spoke on those things because there was a lot of positive reaction to it in the community there people were talking about it so much so that we changed our regular once a season we have a healing service and so this one we changed then to the uh, uh a service for healing and hope, not so much fo- focusing on physical hearing healing but about um more on, on spiritual healing. About 40 of us gathered that evening, and we had a wonderful time. We prayed for, for physical illnesses, but we also prayed for uh, spiritual things. And down the aisle comes a man. Uh, I'm going to read this because I, I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, uh, he told us he's 74 years old and carried the shame of his boyhood, and his dysfunctional family for all these years. He told us they were poor. His mother baked 60 coffee cakes every Saturday morning on an old cook stove, and he peddled them around town on his bicycle, hoping there would be one or two left at the end of the day so their family could eat them. His father was a somewhat of a ne'er-do-well. He had tried different things to support the family, none of them too successfully. So he reported uh, he, he said he resorted to illegal methods for making money. Now, this man and his wife have been coming to Sunny Breeze for about four or five years now. One of the first times he went out to golf with the guys, he introduced himself. And one of the fellas said, wasn't your old man a bootlegger? He sucked it up, he shrugged it off, and he continued to play golf with those guys. Then he said, just this past October, they were a large family, and one of his brothers died. And a so-called friend did the eulogy. Now, in the eulogy, the guy said, Doug didn't turn out too bad, considering his old man was a bootlegger. You don't need friends like that. Wham! again, hit him again. He said, I've lived with this all my life. We listened to his story, Reuben and I, and then Reuben looked at him and said, it's not your fault. You didn't do it. It's not your fault. You've carried this long enough. Let's deal with it. We had a changed man. In the next few weeks, uh, he just just shone, and he, he learned to smile again. And we had many good conversations and lots of fun stuff happening. Uh, And I remembered the words then when Reuben said that, it's not your fault. A word fitly spoken is like uh, apples of gold in a setting of silver. And it changed his life. Well, this same couple was celebrating their anniversary a couple weeks later. So Earl and I uh, decided we would take them out for um, an anniversary dinner. Now, we went to the city buffet in, in Port Charlotte, if you want to know where the best buffets are, come and see me. We, we know where they are. And, and they like Chinese food. So we went out for a, a Chinese dinner. We took two other couples with us. So there's eight of us. And we had a lovely dinner. And then after dinner, we sat around and we talked. And I said to him, tell me about your wedding. He said, it wasn't our wedding. It was her mother's wedding. The minute we told them we were getting married, the mother took over. She chose the colors, the flowers, the napkins, and I don't know what else you choose that for weddings. She even said who could be in the wedding party and who couldn't. Uh, I said, well, what was that all about? Uh, the wife piped up then, and she said, my mother uh, drove around with her in her wedding gown for a half hour before she took her to the church and gave her time to change her mind. She said, you don't have to marry this guy. You can still back out. There's still time now. I said, why did she do that? And then she said, because of his family background. <laughs> the mother was afraid that this wouldn't last and this wouldn't work because of, because of his background. 54 years later, and three very successful sons, they proved her wrong. Uh, They left with a different attitude. Uh, He say when they left to go back up north, as we all do, uh, he sent an email uh, Wednesday, March the 27th. It says, We have experienced so much acceptance, love, and healing these last two months at Sunny Breeze. It has been a time of healing and renewal that we have no words to express it sufficiently. We are grateful to you and the Spiritual Life Committee. We thank the Lord for you always." Then they signed it. These are the power of a word fitly spoken to somebody who needed to hear it. Now, on a more uh, uh, recent note, if you read the London Free Press, a couple weeks ago, there was a story about a guy who ran a massage parlor in London, Ontario who was tried and convicted for uh, sexually abusing six young ladies that worked for him. And he, he was convicted for it and sentenced. But the girls all gave a victim impact statement. And the statement they all said was, the shame they carry because of this. And the judge looked at them and said, it's not your fault. In a courtroom, I was impressed that the judge had the, had the uh, foresight to say that to them. It's not your fault. And I pray that his words were meaningful enough uh, to them so that they can have a healing process through that whole thing. So we have the power of the word to help people out. Now I'm going to tell you another uh, very much more personal story. And some of you will relate to this. About 25 years ago, uh, when I worked over at the nursing home, we got a brand new nursing home van. Some of you know where this is going. Uh, it was a rainy, cold afternoon in March. Uh, Joe said, do you got time to take a group of ladies over to the Mennonite Church? It's World Day of Prayer over there. And so we take them over. And so I sure would love to do that. So we loaded them all up. And I said a few silly things, and, and we began. To say, you know, what can go wrong from there to there? <laughs> so we go, and we go around, and we come around, and I gently drove around, and I'm, I'm trying to line up the, the wheelchair ra- uh, lift to where the ramp is, and I hear crashing and crunching and metal bending. <laughs> I go, oh, this, this wasn't high enough to get this van in here. Well, I went back and said to Joe, "Why didn't you take them over?" <laughs> uh, I felt I felt so bad. You could have bought me for a nickel and got some change. <laughs> the insurance pay, uh, fixed the van. Gerald Schantz fixed the church. But who fixes Irvin? Enter Ross Thompson. I Any mean, of you remember Ross Thompson when he was the minister here at the Lutheran Church? He was a bit of a character and that's probably why we got along so well, um, but he, he met me in the hallway over there and he said, he said, Irvin, you're feeling bad about that van. I said, yeah, really feeling bad. He said, well, look at it objectively. It could have happened to anybody. Who knew that that wouldn't be high enough for a wheelchair van? And he said, I, I, I really want you to get past that. And he said, furthermore, if Joe Ricci says anything about it, I'm going to ask him, what's he got against convertibles? <laughs> well, it, it broke the ice and it, and it helped me to heal. It really, really did. And Ross, if you are out there, I want to tell you that was so, so important, so meaningful to hear you say that. Well, uh, life goes on and you and I have the power to speak healing words to people. Now, I know uh, uh, the terrible things you can use with words and cut people down, but that's not where we're going this morning. What we're doing is talking about how important it is for you to be uplifting and up and helping people get through that. Uh, all of our lives have some messes in them, and all of us lay awake some nights and, and cry out like the psalmist did. I cried to the God for help. To hear me, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. Then I remembered who's in control, that God's in control. And he said, I was able to do that. Now, uh, God's in our story every day. Our prayer focus this morning said, uh, God is in our story, present in all seasons of our lives, he will never give up on us. I like that. Whoever put that in, thank you for that. Um, um, when we when we ask, "Where are you, God?" in all of life's trials, I believe the Gaithers got it right when they sing that song, which was um, written by Tracy Tracy Dart. I found that online. When they wrote this, when they wrote the song and sing it, it's, uh, life is easy when you're up on the mountain. You've got peace of mind like you've never known, but things change when you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith because you're never alone because the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right for the God of the daytime, uh, is still God in the nighttime? Uh, you talk of faith when you're up on the mountain. Talk comes easy when your life's at its best. But down in the valley of those trials and temptations, uh, oh, that's when faith is really put to the test. For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. Yeah. May God bless you. Let's pray. Father, give us words to speak healing to those around us. Help us to be the, the, the people who will, will speak words that people need to hear so that uh, they will be healed and we will be able to help them in that way. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Amen. Amen. If you carry something more than you need to, or you've carried it long enough. Deal with it. Call someone. Call me if you like. And whatever. We just don't want to come up here now and say a, a short prayer. But I would like to know that there is. Uh, like you to know that there is somebody who will speak a word of healing for you. God bless you all.